Welcome back, everybody. We are going to take a quick step back as we move forward because we had an awesome episode with Alex Fast. We lost it, but we are about to sum up everything. It's time to talk about pitchers whose lines were not good in 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Randy or Rose Arena that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're doing tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs here and back in the murder room, Robbie Baseball. Robbie, how you kicking it, buddy? I'm all right. I've got the heater on. I'm wearing pants now. It is cold in Canada <laughs> or well, getting colder. It absolutely is, and I think there is nothing more appropriate um, as we move into the winter than this. Great way north, baby. Absolutely. It's, it's been a wild ride here these last couple weeks. We've been trying to recover some episodes, which was a really, yeah, very emotional, super weird experience and super weird response from the, the, the people over at Zoom um, who basically said, that the reason your file disappeared from your download was because of something that we did. But anyway, it is what it is. We've, we've recorded a lot of episodes and never had an issue like that. So I don't, I don't know if it was something we did. Uh, I'd like and to nothing think nothing changed. Right? Yeah. Like we did all the recording buttons were telling us we were recording, whatever it is, what it is. It sucks. We lost a really good episode with Alex. We'll have to get Alex back on. So shout out to Alex. If he's giving us a listen right now, um that was a we had a lot of fun in that episode yeah most certainly and and we're just gonna sum up everything we covered because with alex this was i mean we were nipping on two hours um and we were definitely cutting this up to be two episodes so uh without his thoughtful insight but his end result on his feelings for these players in dynasty we will move forward um but i gotta say <clears throat> feeling a little parched <clears throat> i need a little drinky a long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. Oh. Been a that while. sounded very good. Uh, that was a good sound. All I can I, do is this. What, what do you have over there? Is that toothpaste in a glass? Close. It's Bailey's on ice, baby. Because <laughs> daddy is out of beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. So my brother lives not far from me. And so he's been coming over watching some baseball lately. And my beer fridge is now empty, even though I'm, I'm more of a bourbon drinker. He's been picking away at it. So um i do have a refill of bourbon i was getting low the last time we recorded um naturally i went to refill my woodford reserve so oh, okay. still waiting for that sponsorship to kick in woodford where are you guys at um you know what next time i'm down in lexington i'm gonna stop by and and let them know how many mentions and um interactions they've had online thanks to us so let's see how uh how we can turn that around well definitely and and i now i've met after I think initially talking to the guy from uh, whatever it's called cowbell um, I've now uh, met and have a friend who is a neighbor of, of a rep or someone there. So I feel like there's, there's going to be something that works out um, on that front for us come the, the official 2021 season, uh, which we are happy to move forward with and definitely. Wait. Oh, wait, I, I, I think there is um, a really obvious sponsorship that we need to include. And, and, you know, I think there's only one way to properly communicate it. After a series of staggering defeats, Blue Oyster Cult assembled in the recording studio in late 1976 for a session with famed <laughs> producer Bruce Dickinson. 
Where's yeah, it at? But it appears to be a dynamite sound. Yeah. Coming from you, Bruce, that means a lot. Here we go. Wait for it. Yeah, I mean, you're Bruce Dickinson. This Where's is incredible. Where's it at? I can't Where's it at? Shragging on here. Shortly, yeah. guys, I put my pants on, just like the rest of you, one leg at a time. <laughs> Except once my pants are on, I make gold records. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Fear, don't fear the reaper. Take one, roll. All right. Oh, we missed what? the cabo. Yeah. Yeah. No, no copyright infringement here. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. We skipped over just enough that the algorithm won't yeah. run properly. <laughs> well, that's why I talked over it, just so that's we don't it. run it. But yeah. yes, that's a great one. And we'll definitely have to work on that with them. So um, yeah, so 2020 regular season is over. We're about to start World Series. Uh, I believe it starts tonight or it has just It does started. start tonight. Zero, zero, top of the second. There we go. Um and we're still working on summing up 2020. So we're, we're circling back with, what do we have? 35 pitchers who had less than desirable fantasy stat lines. And um, we're going to sum up what we did over the course of two episodes and one for everybody tonight. So the first guy we're leading off with here is somebody that I think was probably rated the highest on this list. And that was Chris Paddock of San Diego, 24 year old. The Dinger dynasty rank had him at 11. And this year in 11 starts and 50 some innings, I think it was four and three tie. I know you're looking at the updated starts when we had last done this, he still had one start to go um, ERA North of 450, uh, 50 plus K's nine ish walks. Um, Alex had said he wanted to hold on him, which was interesting because he's not buying. There was enough for him to see that he didn't want to be too aggressive. Uh, Ty, you are a buy hard. Yeah, I'm tell. buying. This is probably the guy I'm buying the hardest on because I think the upside is still there. A lot of people are giving up on him on his fastball. This is a guy that's been asked to become a different pitcher in the last year, right? So you're going to see the introduction and development of the changeup has happened. We talked about that last season. Uh, the four seamer is still a good pitch. Location was off this year, right? We had a weird season. Anytime a guy has good stuff, bad location, with a previous track record of having relatively strong location, there's going to be a bounce back. You know, it's just one of those things. Launch angle was way down. Uh, you know, he just, it, the exit velocity's up, the barrel percentage is up, but you know, there's just some things where he's getting squared up hard because he's missing spots. And, you know, it's not a matter of, of giving up more bombs. I don't think if I remember the stats real quickly, as I scroll down here, um, you know, the, the bombs, actually the bombs on the fastball are, are way up for, per at bat. Um, so really it, it comes down to that. He gave a, a batting average against last year on the fastball was 204 this season. It was 308, right? That's a big variance. So for me, I, it's not as if he was missing spots last year and getting away with it. That's too big of a gap for that. So I think you're going to see a correction here. And for that reason, you should be buying on a guy like Paddock. He's going to still be an SP one, right? He's going to play SP one value because he's going to give you the strikeout numbers and, and that's going to play. And I know Robbie just snapped a photo of these sweet glasses so you can post it. So I'm posting, good. we're back, we're back in the saddle, baby, <laughs> but I had so, to keep the camera out and I didn't want to interrupt. Right. All good. All good. No, but Paddock's a guy like I just like, I think the changeup development is huge. Um, the curveball is still needs a little refinement for me. There's a little too much variance. And I think, that's what you're going to see in the off season is, is the, these last two pitches come to be um, you're going to see a little bit of a focus on the curveball because if he improves the curveball, he's going to get away with more of those bad fastballs. So it, they're going to play off of each other. The changeup has become one of his better pitches. So uh, I really like him moving forward. And I think if you look at the people they're comparing him to um, movement wise uh, there's, there's a, very obvious discrepancy. There's just too much change versus last year numbers, last year's numbers. And um, I think you're really going to see an adjustment this year. He added the cutter uh, this season at a, in a very limited uh, showcase. So, so I think you're going to see a jump forward next year and there's a time to buy on a guy that you could not have bought last off season, right? He would have been too expensive. He, the sky was the limit on Chris Paddock coming into this year. And I think you're going to have a chance to get them at a reasonable price if you want to offer up some value to somebody this offseason. 
the big thing I've got him as a buy, um, which was the same, or sorry, as a hold, which was the same as Alex. And the big thing on, on my front. And one of the things that I'll talk a lot about are just fantasy stats and whether that's something that can help or hurt in the off season. Cause the typical dynasty player does not listen to this podcast. The typical dynasty player um, doesn't realize that there's a difference between CBS who's spitting the same information three of the four times they record a week or four of the five, because they have to come up with so much content and us who gets to um, dissect things a little more deeply for the dynasty players is Chris Paddock is not bad and redraft value is, is of no um, use to us in dynasty he's going to drop in redraft, which might mean to a lot of the typical dynasty players out there, he's no longer as valuable. And one of the things that a lot of teams covet, a lot of owners covet, is fantasy value in prospects. He's not a prospect anymore. We know that after last year. Well, now he's had that down sophomore year. So the longer you've been playing fantasy, the longer you've been playing dynasty, the more you know the sophomore slump is a real thing. This year, you could say that about the whole field if you wanted to. You could also... Um, as we're about to do with everybody else on the list, pick and choose who that did affect and who it didn't. And I agree with what Ty is saying. You know, he's a guy to go for, but I'm just more hesitant because I see a lot of similar to slightly back tier pitching that's going to be far easier to get. And we're going to continue in with that. So here's somebody that... Well, one one last oh, thing, oh, yeah, Robbie, yeah. just to sway anybody that's still on the fence. A batted ball profile is interesting. So ground ball percentage was up. 10% this year fly ball rate was down 8% line drives was up a little bit. That's the barrel rate we talked about before. Um, but when you get into weak contact up ball, percentage of balls topped up percentage of balls that people were getting under, therefore increasing launch angle is down, right? So the solid contact is down, but the barrel percentage is up, right? So you're getting a lot of good barrels. Like this looks like the opposite of Vladimir Guerrero's, um, batted ball profile going the other way, right? Like a lot of really hard, like ground balls and line drives, but nothing that's leaving the yard. So for me, that's a recovery, even though the, the home runs are up. I think, I think this profile for me indicates there's a big bounce back coming. And we will still potentially have the 2021 innings pitch limit. It's going to be an issue. We're not going to get into it really tonight and probably seriously not dive into it until we get into pitcher rankings because we don't know exactly how MLB is going to come back in 2021, but we know a guy like Paddock was being, you know, weaned a little bit here and there in 2019, 2020, nobody had a limit. Um, Rich Hill just, you know, is Rich Hill. So we couldn't pitch, but um, moving on to the next one, this is somebody that was, you know, kind of polarizing. I really liked uh, Reynaldo Lopez in 2018, Ty. I know you did as well. And into 19, he ended up as 75th in the dingers rank. He's 26 years old, uh, five, Five starts, 14 and two-thirds innings pitched, and there's a good reason for that. Uh, he was horrible. Five, a five-and-a-half ERA, whip north of 170. He was less than a K per nine and almost equal in, in Ks to walks. Uh, Fast was not was not in on him. He was selling hard. Um, <laughs> Ty, you, you had the most aggressive sell, which was sell divorce. So this must be yeah. emotional for you. And I'm just selling. And it's not that I am giving up and want nothing to do with Reynaldo Lopez. It's that I think his value is so low right now that you may as well just go and throw a dart somewhere else. And if he comes around for a full season, we can have the conversation later. But I think it's it's time now to look for another person or to just bench him. If you're really conservative and don't want to make a move, just bench him until he has turned it around. Um, one points league, that's my strategy. I'm not trading him. I'm not dropping him. But in head-to-head, -head, in categories, he's just not going to help you. You know, he can't put together one in five good starts and be on your active roster. So you might want to find a way to make a move. So, well, and one, yeah, one of the things that I really don't like about Lopez, and, and I, I mentioned it very clearly coming into the season, it was all going to be about fastball command. And he's a fastball slider change guy. And he fails and has an inability to hit the fastball low and away. So for me, it's, it's a really big issue that I, I just don't know that he's ever going to solve. Um, and it's, it's something that if you, if you go over to baseball savant, which we all love, uh, you're going to see his sprays on, on his pitch types and the stat cast data around it is, is phenomenal. If you haven't discovered this yet, you need to, but if you look at the percentage of fastballs low and away, how, how do you possibly match the slider if you can't hit the fastball in a spot that sets it up. So that's a real issue. 
that, you know, we talked about coming in and, and I don't see correction. It's all arm side high misses. So this is a mechanical issue. The, the scary part is, is that it could be one mechanical fix away from this guy being like Cy Young caliber. Like that stuff is good, but the consistency is just not even close. So I don't know if this guy is going to be a post type guy, but I, I'm just burnt on him and I can't, I can't make that leap at this point. That's all. And speaking of that, yes, for everybody that's, that's interested, hit us up at Twitter, um, at Dingers Pod, or uh, myself at Robbie Baseball One, or Ty at Tourney Boss, um, with guys that you believe should be part of the 2021 team post hype. We are going through some too early mocks through the TGFBI. Um, I know in this league podcast, their um, collective is doing them as well. There will be several places, ourselves included, that are going to do mock drafts. We're going to do ours dynasty based. But we want to know who do you think everybody's forgetting about after 2020 that you believe is going to come back? We're putting together our list. We want some of the names you like. And then we're going to go ahead and make an official team post hype headed into 2021. We're going to have to say it's Ty's team post hype. And then I'll have team garbage, which I believe we did do for 2020. <laughs> so, um, so, so we might have to leading, circle back on that too. Speaking of team garbage, your next guy is just the perfect segue for that. And I have and, the, uh, and I have the perfect song for his team post type arrival. Let's hear it. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> I've come to talk with you again. I do love that whole acoustic version of that guy. <laughs> so Austin Voth, uh, Washington Nationals. This is one of the guys who I was harping on this offseason, saying he's got low value in dynasty formats. Go get him. And if you did... At the end of the season, I don't think the damage was nearly as bad as it was at the time of this recording, or sorry, the original recording, which was nine starts, 37 and two-thirds, an 0-5 uh, kicker to the year with an ERA, 7.17, a whip of 164, 33 Ks, 17 walks. Well, he had two fine starts to finish the year and ended at 49 and two-thirds innings with 44 Ks. So he did get the Ks up again. And that's kind of the thing I've had with him is thinking if he can be a K per inning guy and on a good team like the Nats, he should collect wins. Well, he won his last two starts. Very nice to see. Also dropped the ERA, <laughs> which was at, up over eight earlier this year. It was, it was 916 in the month of August. Just nine, one, six. There you go. And so the September turnaround and he finished the year at 634. So as far as dynasty goes, everyone, if you are rebuilding, if you're taking over a roster, if you are whatever on the waiver wire, you know, you're only allowed to keep 20 guys and you redraft however many it is. Um, he is somebody I would pick up again, but I think I really want to find out what's going on with Washington's offseason because he's more than likely going to end up becoming a long reliever, possibly SP5 when there's an injury kind of situation because he didn't earn it this year but it also depends on what the Nats are willing to do moving forward you know Patrick Corbin did not have a good season but it was not a full season you know both didn't obviously um Fetty was not able to take the job from both as equally as you know did for the other guys they they're older right Strasburg um who else am I forgetting here Ty uh come on Scherzer Scherzer and, yeah um Annabelle Sanchez, Annabelle Sanchez so they've got enough vets around that he might still get a shot if if nothing changes but again, this is somebody that across the board, we all said to sell. And I, I don't disagree. I, I, I just think let's listen a little bit in the off season. And if you're in a situation where you might need MLB pitchers who could help, he could at worst case scenario, become a long reliever type guy, but the shine has clearly worn off. I mean, the exit velocity on the fastball is almost 93. That's not ideal. Launch angles, 21. Pick that. <laughs> It, that's that's coming out though at a launch angle of 21. That's way over Trey Turner's head. He's and, yeah, <laughs> he might be able to run it down. I don't know if he can jump that high, but <laughs> you know the idea though is 330 against that four, same four seamer, and good peripherals on the hook, um, good numbers on the splitter. But the splitter is a new pitch, so um, that's that could evolve into a better pitch. But cutter fastball. 33321 batting average, uh slug 670, 571. Not ideal. And so I, I'm not willing to to go there just yet because he's still pitching that fastball 60% of the time and right. and getting beat. 
So it says the other stuff's not good enough yet. And I, and I think you, you know, this could be a guy though, that looks to be a really nice hold guy down the road. Like he could be a really nice seventh inning guy as he settles into a career. Who knows? Like if, if that's the stuff he's throwing and he can get away with a uh, 60 mile or 92 mile an hour fastball, 60% of the time, like it could be a really interesting opportunity for him to come out of the pen. And he's 28 years old. So it's a real transition time in his career here too, right? Like he could just be at the point where he wants to pitch. And if that's where Washington is going to put him, he's just going to go. So somebody who is um, now Brent Honeywell 2.0 is also known as AJ Puck of Oakland, 25 year old dynasty rank was at 21, which I mean, after this year, that's going to end up needing to go back a few ticks because injuries, 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 we hate to say that, you have to take them into account with players, but some guys just get hurt. And Puck was only able to pitch 11 and a third this year. He did get two wins. ERA was just over three. Uh, Whip was 1.32, but again, 11 and a third innings, 13 Ks, five walks. Uh, Alex wasn't overly excited about him because of that injury potential, and he has him as a hold. Um, I've got him as a sell, and that is solely because we are talking dynasty, and you may as well take what is still available He'll have rookie eligibility, so you could pop him in your minors. If it's a contracts league and he is not on an MLB contract, depending on however you set up your your league, um, you should be able to deal him for some, some good value and multiple pieces back. And I would also make sure if you do that, you get somebody who is middle-of-the-road SP-type guy because if Puck comes back and is dynamite, you're going to be kicking yourself. But it's going to hurt a lot less if you've been able to get some type of SP4 type dude. Um, and Ty, you've got him as a buy hold. So why don't you tell us why uh, Alex and I are incorrect? It's this is a guy that I love. Uh, I've loved him from the draft. Uh, you know, there's another guy that's been top of the news the last week or so, Hulu Urias, who had different but similar injury experiences in his early stages of his career. He was a little yeah, bit he younger. Was a teenager. Yeah, a little younger. <laughs> Absolutely. And he bounced back just fine. Injuries happen. Like these guys get hurt. And we live in a world right now where it's a quick disposable, get him out. He's not going to last. Kid's 25. He's a college arm and he pumps gas. He's got stuff. People got really excited about Jesus Lizardo, the Jesus Lizard, and they completely forgot about AJ Puck, who is a better pitcher. And there that's an issue I have. I'm I'm taking AJ Puck over Jesus Lazardo still to this day. I'm just not buying at the same level. I like Jesus Lardo Lazardo. I just like Puck better. And so for me, he's a buy low candidate, right? This is a guy that still has great stuff. He's nasty. He comes from a weird angle. And and it's just really hard to to adjust to. And that's really um why I, I'm buying on him as hard as I am because the stuff stuff's still good. And if you look into the numbers, like you're going to see some of the things that I see, uh, the fastball is really good. The changeup is getting better. The curves there, the slider lights out. Um, and, and he doesn't have enough of a sample size to get super, super excited just yet, but you can start to look into the fact that in, you know, a handful of games, the fastball is at 97, the sliders at 90, uh, the changeups right there at 90. So you've got two really good pitches, that are breaking off at that same velocity. And, you know, there's not a ton of slug. The spin rates are reasonable. The launch angles are good. The whiff rates are good. The putaways are decent. And this is in a really, really limited sample size where he's going to get better and better and better. So this is a guy, do yourself a favor, go buy him so that I don't have to brag about it later and tell you that you should have done it. Just go do it. He's going to be affordable because of that injury history. And even if you have to bury him in a roster spot, he will help you at some point next season. Don't be stupid. Don't miss a chance to get him. Go get him now. Good transition to go into Mad Bomb now. Somebody who was Mr. Reliable, a little bit of injury um, the last couple of years. But this past year was just just off for him. Uh, 41 and two-thirds innings this year. One and four record. 30 Ks, uh, ERA just under 650 at 648. Oh man, it was rough. Uh, not a quality start for him. I mean, in 19, he had 20 quality starts and it, you could say 50 things about why it happened, but I think this could just be 
a really unfortunate time for him to be declining, but I'm not out. And Alex and I, again, are simpatico on this one. We're both holding. And I think that has more to do with the fact that we think Mabom should be better in the future as opposed to worse because this was pretty rough in 2020. Uh, Ty, you're selling. Is it similar? You just think now it's time. He's, oh, I forget, he, he's 31 or two. Uh, I wrote it down. Yeah, 31. He's, 30, he's 31. Yeah. But I, the big reason for me is from 2011 to 2016, you're talking about a guy that threw 200 innings in every single one of those seasons. And it reminds me of a guy that had a similar career trajectory named Felix Hernandez and had similar inning count, had very similar um, velocities, different pitch repertoire, but was really leaned on for heavy innings and high level innings because they needed, especially in both of those teams, like they were built around their pitching and they leaned on it. And this was kind of pre peak bullpens, right? Like this was right at the beginning of, of right. the bullpens Super evolving. Pens. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you can look at after that. So 2017 and 18, he had some injuries and some dirt bikes and all kinds of different things going on in his life. Um, He's such a rodeo back, guy, you know, such a cowboy, if you that's will. That's right. Well, I mean, in 2019, <laughs> he got the inning count back up to 207, respectable sub four ERA at three nine, but the, the trends are not good. And so I'm not saying I wouldn't pick Mad Bomb, but I'm picking him as an SP4, right? So as long as you understand that and you're not buying him in the SP2 position where I think he's going to go in a lot of leagues, that's the issue I have with Mad Bomb. And that's why I'm out is if you have him, you can probably sell him for SP2 value, right? And if you don't have him, you're probably going to have to pay SP2 value. If you're drafting, draft him as an SP4. If he's not there, too bad, move on. Right. That's that's my whole reason. It's just his values come down. It's not that he can't be valuable. It's just that he's not where he should be. And I think you're at that jumping off point of where the value proposition is. Yeah, good point there, Ty. You just know know what you're going to pay for. So depending on your league, as Ty said as well, if he's a free agent and you're in a um, salary league, contracts league, um, that's probably you're going to have to make the overpay because no matter what, there are going to be three or four teams in your league who feel like the hitters are ready and they just need pitching because there, there is that philosophy out there of, you know, um, by the, what is it? Develop the bats by the pitching. And then there is the, by the, by the, or what, by the pitching, develop the bats, whatever. Um, and Baumgartner is going to fall somewhere into there in one year league. So moving on to Stroman, who's 29 now. So it'll be 30 to next year. We had him at 61 in our mixed ranking. So just post SP two, which was, very interesting because that's that's pretty much what he is. He's just not going to be an impactful SP2, but now he's going to hit the free agent market. And the stat line for this year is irrelevant because he just pitched until he could meet the deadline to, to leave MLB. And I mean, there we go. So uh, Alex liked him, thought he was worth value to buy. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's going to be or should be out of the, out of Metville, out of bad defense and um, finds himself somewhere better. I have him as a buy hold. I like the idea that people are going to discount him there. We all know that there are people who um, love and hate players with passion. And, um, and that doesn't mean that they're passionate about their love or their hate for them, which they are. It means that MLB players who show some heart uh, aren't always liked by fantasy players. So he might not be everyone's cup of tea, even for a fantasy team. And Ty, you've got him as a hold. So what do you like that, says holds and i i said what i like i think people are just going to devalue him for next year yeah you're talking about a guy that has some of the best spin rates in all of baseball right like the sliders 2800 it, it's good and we've watched a lot of marcus stroman over the years when he's on he gets it done he relies on a good defense behind him so for me I, i'm not worried about the stuff i'm not worried about the caliber i i i believe in the competitive nature of marcus stroman because i've watched it for me, it is going to come down to one very simple thing. Where is he playing and is he motivated to win? And those are the things that make Stroman a good pitcher because the stuff is there and he's going to put the ball on the ground and he's going to strike guys out and he's going to do all of the right things. He just has to be in a good situation. So he's in free agency. I'm looking for him to go to a handful of spots. I want to see him in St. Louis. I think it would be really good for him. I want to see him in, in Yankee Stadium. That would be good for him from an ego perspective, not from a ballpark perspective. 
Um, or I want to see him in somewhere like Miami, right? Where defense is a premium and you've got some young guys behind him that can go get it. And so those are spots that I don't know if he's going to end up there. Who knows? Uh, Minnesota would be another one that would be an interesting spot for him. But that's what I'm watching for. Uh, Minnesota would actually be a really good one because they're opening up Odorizzi. I don't think they're going to bring him back. I, I think Stroman would be a good replacement for him in that rotation. Unless Rich Hill's going to continue to motor on. Um, I know. Well, Rob's you can still, I was, if you're having Rich Hill at this point, you can still just get five other starters. <laughs> and when <laughs> Rich Hill is healthy, you just let him continue to start until he is no longer healthy. It won't take long. <laughs> yeah. So for me, for me, like I'm holding him just because I don't know what to think. Like if I'm, if I'm smart, I'm going to sell him if I see him go to a bad situation. And, and that's kind of where, why I stuck in a hold. Like I would lean towards the buy side of this one on Strowman. And, and for me, I love the idea of him going somewhere that a sinker ball guy should do well, which is Colorado. And I, as a fantasy owner, you don't want to see any pitcher go to Colorado, but at the same time, if you're thinking about it in a different way, trying to be smart and think, how can I get a good pitcher at good value in a daily lineups? Strowman as a Colorado Rocky is going to be fine because you can pick and choose your matchups and Colorado's defense is very good. They've got one year left with story and then it's up to the next generation. You know, if Brendan Rogers is going to be doing it, if they're going to find replacements, whatever's going to go on with Hampson McMahon, they've got a million options. It's a matter of what they do with it. So a worst case scenario to some would almost be ideal to me as a dynasty owner. If you end up seeing Strowman go to Colorado. Now, I don't think he's going to do that. I think he wants the big markets. I think he wants the, the big um, opportunities. Although if he wants the biggest challenge, <laughs> go to Colorado, <laughs> um, but you that'll know, move he, us on. Oh yeah. Well, you know where it'd be a really interesting spot for Stroman. And I think that they might make one last move to make a run with their core is Houston. Ooh, that would be a really interesting spot for mm. him. Just saying like an out of left field option. Right. Because yeah, and, and maybe they've got an idea as to what could uh and they love spin rate over there. They're yeah, one well, of the big spin rate teams. Yeah. Well, they did deal away a spin rate guy in uh, Trent Thornton to the Jays a little while ago. Um, so I mean they know what they're up to with that stuff. So moving on to a current Blue Jay on the second year of his two-year deal. Tanner Roark, 33-year-old, did not have a good year. So these stats tire from September 25th. So anything that I've been missing past then, forgive me. Nine starts, 39 in the third innings, two and two record, a 641 ERA, 1.76 whip, 35 Ks and 21 walks. Um, Alex wanted to sell him. Uh, you are a sell hold. I'm a hold. I'm a hold simply because I don't think the value is there to try to sell. It's more of a drop situation with him at this point in time. So again, in a points league where you've got to keep rosters, um, two-start pitchers can be good. We also know, depending on your league setup, they could hurt you if they're going to be negative points. But you can hold Roark through the offseason and just see what happens. Maybe somebody comes and nibbles and wants you know, a prospect in Roark and, so, and maybe you're able to make a deal. But I certainly wouldn't be counting on Tanner Roark to get you much in head-to-head -head categories, certainly not getting you much over the course of a season in Roto because that, that up and down with Toronto could be very rough. And we also don't even know, to be perfectly honest, if the Jays are going to be back in Toronto in 2021, the discussions have already begun about the possibility of having issues with Toronto signing free agents because they cannot guarantee that players will be able to move their families to Canada, which is crazy, but that's where we are. So yeah. keep that in mind. They could be back in Buffalo. Yeah. Could be. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's definitely going to create some challenges for sure. Um, Rourke is, is, a guy I'm with you on the hold reason I, I'll sell them if the right opportunity is there, but I'm with you. I just don't think you're going to get any value. And I think the, the limited upside you could get as an SP five from him, he has a history of, of prolonging it. The one defense I will have for Rourke is that the Jays didn't give him a chance to settle in. He's an inning eater. And if you take away the innings from an inning eater, you're going to get unique things that happen. And I think if you look at his career, he hasn't had a season like he did last season. And it could be age, could be just careers done for him. could be that simple. Um, but I, I think there's something to be said about giving the guy uh, some innings to, to figure some of that stuff out. And I just don't know that that happened this year because 
some of the numbers were quite good his barrel numbers were way down like way down um but that's because they played less innings so that's not a real thing his percentages were up he was in the bottom five percent of barreled up however exit velocity is just 89 on average so you know it's not as if he's exponentially bad um but he gave up some big like hits and part of that too and don't forget this with any pitcher in Toronto, that outfield defense for the first half of the season was awful. It was easily the worst in baseball. And they made some absolute bonehead plays to, to blow up some ERAs for all of their starting pitchers. So it wasn't just work that got wrapped into that one, but it is something that you have to pay attention to. The slider's still good. The curveball's still effective. Um, sinker was up this year. That's the one thing that you hear over and over and over again from sinker ball guys is that the more they pitch, the better they feel about their sinker. And if you take that away, which they did, a lot of those sinkers were up this year. Feel was gone. So I, I think there's a bounce back opportunity. Is he going to be an SP two SP three? Like he had in some of the, the brightest moments of his career. Absolutely not. But could he give you value SP four? Maybe that's a possibility. And somebody here, Ty, who has absolutely been forgotten. I don't remember. I, I know we've started the team post hype. Um, as earlier mentioned, we've started the list of guys. And I believe in the too early mock that I did, I picked up Kyle Freeland uh, 303. I think that's where I got him, or 298. It was really late, and I was surprised. 27-year-old Rocky absolutely rebounded this year. Um, we have him at 10 starts, 56 innings, 3-1 and one record. Three and a half ERA, 1.3 whip, um, 38 Ks, which that's what he does. He does not go, you know, K per inning, um, but he has those good starts, like you had mentioned about Tanner Roark. How, you know, when you let the guys eat innings, they, they, good things can happen. Um, and only 16 walks in that time, which I shouldn't say only 16 walks, but it's not really bad. And that's been his issue before, has been keeping things, uh, keeping guys off base and not giving free passes. Um, Alex is interested in holding, and I think that's value-related. Also, daily lineups, I believe he mentioned. You want to make sure that's the league you have him in. If it's NFBC, big money, you need him to be rolling on the road. You know, Two-start weeks, obviously, are the perfect week, so two-start week on the road. Uh, Freeland's a good guy to have. Um, I'm buying because I think the value's down, and I've always had this issue with Colorado pitchers where I think to myself, if they have 15 solid road starts, um, they're amazing pitchers. So you have to think like, what are they realistically going to get you? Just 15 good starts. Sure. I'll take that. You know, if somebody else can get me 20 good starts and I can try to figure out, but I have to pay a lot more. I'm going to try to figure out what I can do with the Colorado pitcher who give me 15. And I like him there. You've got him as a whole tie. So I know he's been a guy for you. You know, I think it was 19. You were really, really big on him. And then that was just a, a horrible mistake. Our dinger rank here too. The dynasty rank is 74. So he's, you know, in the company between Roark and Strowman, closer to Strowman than Roark, obviously. But what do you see in here? Well, I have to make him a hold uh, because I've been buying him everywhere for the last two seasons. So he has to be a hold for me because I can't buy him more than I've bought him. Um, but <laughs> believe in Kyle Freeland as an SP2, SP3. Do not believe as Kyle Freeland could be an SP1. Um, and that's really all it is. We've been talking about him for two years. He had an absolute just explosion of the mind in 2019. And it's a thing of the past. His numbers are, are close to back in line in 2018. And again, these are guys that are going to be middle of the road guys. Do you want to start them every game at home? Absolutely not. Should never be starting any Colorado Rocky pitcher at home all the time. That's just stupid. Um, and if you're doing that, then you deserve what's coming. Because, you know, he he definitely has the splits. The other thing you need to consider is that he's still getting beat up against lefties. That's the big thing, which is weird because he's a lefty. Um, the reverse splits here are a little odd, uh, but I think it has more to do with the fact that he had just faced less lefties this season. Um, and, and that's something that if you look back into 2018 in, in his good season, the splits against the lefties were much, much better. He had a 2.22 ERA um, and in still in a dominant righty split. Uh, obviously, the lineups are going to be built to, to face the lefty. So, you know, something to keep in mind is that, you know, the, the ballpark is certainly going to play. But try to think about teams that are right-handed heavy 
and try to avoid those starts at home. If they've, if they've got a heavy left-handed lineup, then he might be good to run Freeland out at home. So, so for me, just understand that you could get him for cheap and, and go do that. There we go. So moving on to Frankie Montas, uh, Oakland athletics, uh, future former now ace, <laughs> uh, 27 years old. He was 25th on the dingers rank. Uh, I believe he finished the year with 11 stars. So we've got him here at nine and 43 innings with 44 Ks, but 20 walks, a three and four record. And his ERA was just under six at this point, And whip was just over one and a half. Um, Alex has him as a buy thinks a lot of the peripheral or so the, uh, sorry, a lot of the fantasy numbers are just going to work themselves out over the course of a full season. Uh, I've got him as a hold. I, I think that's because I was really high on Montas before. So now I'm just saying, okay, he's, he's done as much as I hoped he could do. Like his peak is now. So I'm not going any more aggressive on him, but I certainly don't want to sell him off. And there's two reasons for that. Ty one is obviously the value is down right now. And depending on the owner that is looking to acquire him, they're either trying to get a steal of a deal or they're offering you something that they think might suit you enough that they can then take him for that big push that they're going to give value to. Cause I, I can't imagine that by the time we hit opening day, he doesn't end up any worse than the SP two in Oakland uh, if, if healthy. And he doesn't do anything close to what he did this year. As far as fantasy stats, I think that ERA is due to be at least at least one and a half better. And that's not saying a lot. That's, you know, still saying it's, it could be over four, two, but I think Frankie Montes could just be a high K guy. Uh, the walks are the big thing. He got himself into trouble several times and allowed a lot of runners because of walks. And if he can clean that up, or even those walks turn into ground balls, uh, if they're not all going to be base hits, Oakland see, I mean, Marcus Simeon's a free agent, but, but Oakland seems to be pretty good defensively. They can cut down on those numbers for him too. So for me, it's a hold. Sorry, it's a it's a, a hold, and then tie. You've got him as a buy. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that if you look at the peripherals, there there's indications that he'll bounce back. I mean, a lot of the the contact numbers were a little inflated, um, you know, due to whatever defense or bad luck or whatever circumstances uh, accounted for that. the The rest of his numbers are in line with what he did last season. The exception of that on that one is the barrel percentage took a big jump and almost doubled. He was really good last year in the barrel percentage category. He was in the top 4% of the whole league. Um, and that was really the in, uh, introduction of the splitter, which, you know, still be continued to develop this year, had a big, you know, pushback on that one. Hitters hit 333 off of the splitter. Uh, slug was at 600. That's, that's just not going to do it. Um, the expected slug was a full hundred points below that basically. And the exit velocity was actually down this year, right? Launch angle was down on the splitter. Um, sorry, no, the launch angle was not down on the splitter. My apologies. So launch angle was up on the splitter. So that, that again, we just talked about it with the uh, Rourke on the sinker or the sinker. Same thing here, right? Like we're talking about guys that are going to rely on consistency and touch and feel for these couple of pitches that have, we talked about this in, in 2019 with Montez, right? Like the splitter was the breakout pitch. That was yep. the pitch he needed to set up the rest of his repertoire and if he doesn't have the feel for that pitch, the numbers are going to represent that. Um, the exit velocity is still good. Everything else that that I want to see here are great. He only gave up one home run on on what seems to be the, the pitch that uh, hurt him the most. The sinker that goes with the splitter was the one that really caused him the most heartache this year. He gave up six bombs off of that sinker and allowed a batting average of 346 against that pitch. So, those are the two pitches that have to improve their touch pitches. Give them the innings. It'll sort itself out. So I, I'm in on them. I'm buying them everywhere I can. I bought them off of you. I will buy them off anyone else that wants to sell them to me. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so here's a very interesting one. It At the time I wrote the name down, we agreed, yeah, we'll talk about him. And I think he then he started maybe the next night. By the time we recorded, he had started one more time. And then he finished the year with one more start. And now it seems like the fantasy stat line is not bad. However, in the early to mid-September point, it was not looking good for Mr. Brady Singer, and that's who we're talking about now. The 24-year-old Kansas City SP1, possibly. He's 99th ranked for Dingers, and in 64 innings this year, he had 60 Ks, 23 walks, which was the issue, a 4.06 ERA and a 1.16 whip. He had eight home runs allowed, Ty. A lot of them were earlier in the year. He certainly struggled to start, finished the year with, what, four, where is it here, uh, four and five record. 
So I like what Brady Singer did as the season went on. This is a guy who would have benefited from a 162 game season or the ability to get 20 plus starts. And then I think everybody would have calmed down. There's still in my mind, the, uh, the ability to take advantage of the stat line because it isn't, you know, uh, an ERA in the threes, the K's per nine aren't over one per inning. So you've got the ability to still buy at a slightly decreased value versus last year as a prospect. But I think this is the time right now, because in a year, you're not going to be able to buy Brady Singer without putting together a really big package to get him back. Um, I got to buy on him. Uh, Alex had a buy on him and you've got a hold. Now is your hold related to his value you already had for him or is it something a little deeper? No, I'm a little concerned with the movement profiles here. Oh, and, get and, out of here. And again, he's, <laughs> he's young, he's young and there there's the opportunity to refine some of these things, but we talk about it all the time. It's a college arm, right? They should be a little more polished. So for a guy that is a college arm, that is a high profile arm to be rushed to the pros like he was um i'm not as excited about it because these are the guys i are red flags for me when i see an organization push an early pick to the top i look close and i like to do the eye test i haven't had a chance to do that with singer so i'll hold that's why i have them as a hold and not a sell to be honest because okay. i am close to a sell on this one the the scary part for me is if you look at the slider it's a vertical slider right it's not one that sweeps away so with a sinker, um, you're going to see it's going to be hard to pair that up, right? So the the fastball sinker combination, you're going to see a lot of guys just looking for stuff up. So I think what you're going to see here is a tendency for him to give up home runs. And that's the thing I'm concerned with. He does play in a big ballpark, so it does play well for him. However, the teams in that division are built around power. Um, Chicago alone could hurt his ERA. And that's, that's my concern um, is, is I just, I see just the possibility. Now he's too young for me to like say that definitively because he could make adjustments still, but I am certainly terrified of, of that profile. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Well, that's fair. So at least we're not all in agreement. <laughs> Absolutely. So now we're going to hit four guys who all had limited or no time this year. And we'll try to move this, this little, clump on um brent honeywell expectations were high um for me and uh disappointment so we've all got to sell on him for me it, it's a lot more related to the fact that he's going to be 26 next year he only has 11 and a third less innings pitch than aj puck at this point in time um and there's only one year age difference but i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he just continues to be re-injured with the throwing arm it's it's going to possibly mean he just can't be a starter. So if you're looking to do something with your fantasy team, if you think you're in a position to compete, maybe you can just leave him in your minors, but maybe there's a way to get somebody who's going to be on the updated dingers, top 50, top 75 prospect list that could be impactful this year. And Brent Honeywell could just be somebody that you set sail at a slightly decreased value. Well, and before we go on to the next guy, uh, there's a clip from you from last year talking about uh, Mr. Honeywell. I'm sorry, man. Look, I, 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 you know, I'm talking out of my ass. <laughs> Which now is accurate. But at the time last year, I was using data that was more recently available. Um, so moving on to the next guy, uh, the Canadian, Jameson Tyon. I mean, hard luck, right, with Tyon. But the difference yeah. between him and Honeywell, which is what we'd all discussed, Honeywell has not done it at the MLB level. Jameson Tyon went healthy, has done it. Um, he's the 98th ranked on the Dingers big board did not pitch this year, but we do know that he was, I think in July, definitely in August, he was throwing in the mid nineties with his fastball. So he's back. He was starting to do movement pitches. That's when, you know, everything's going to be okay with him. So we should have a regular off season. All three of us are buys. I think the big thing with Ty on, if I'm not mistaken here, Ty is we just want everyone to have forgotten about him. So you can go and get him much like yeah. I did from you. He's, he is the easily the best by low candidate on the board. There's, there's nobody else that I think has less value versus their upside than, than Tyon. Uh, you traded him or I traded him to you in the, in the, in Montez the Montez trade. trade. So, yeah, it's, so it's a good trade. Absolutely. It's a baseball trade. You want the risk on Tyon. I'm, I'm scared of him. I'd like Montez better. Uh, but that's a, that's a matter of preference, right? But and contractually there was a lot of money difference yeah. between the two guys. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And- I, I was basically uh, the Marlins um, <laughs> in this center. No, you were the Marlins. I was, I was, the- I was the Yankees. You get yeah. You gave me one contract, and then I gave you a bunch. And because of the format of the league, you were able to drop some of the guys that you didn't want. And a couple of people thought that was silly. And rules are rules, folks. If you're Ronnie's, playing within, tri- Ronnie's totally triggered right now. Yeah, if you're playing within the rules, then I I think you're you're doing it okay. I wasn't harassing you over and over again to make me make me make a trade with you. So, uh, moving on to Shohei Otani, uh, the great the great hope that we had for Otani seems to just not be coming to fruition. He's now going to be entering his age 27 season. He did not have a good stat line for pitching this year. And the angels just decided let's get him to hit, which again was not good um, for Otani this year. So he was ranked second for us and dingers. We, and you had him higher than me. We were out there. We, we believed that this should come together because of his ability to hit for power and the ability for him to be SP two value And now I think, you know, I'm holding on him, which has a lot to do with the fact that I valued him so much that I'm not about to just walk away, but I am well aware and I am not acquiring him anywhere, even in redraft. Like I don't want Otani. There will be someone else that I will get at this point. He now has to have a full 162 game season where he can be himself, whatever that is, because five years ago when he was in Japan being amazing we were waiting for that time. And unfortunately it seems like in that transition to MLB and the Tommy John and whatever's going on, we're not going to get to see the best Otani has been. And, you know, he's down for me. So what do you have him out here? Ty hold. Yeah. I, I, as a buy. I, I got him as a buy. Like if you look at the 2018 numbers, all the peripherals were in the top tier. Beautiful. Like, they're, they're all fantastic. I, I think what you're going to see here, the reason I like him as a buy, the reason we ranked him so high and keep this in mind, is that we're ranking it off of dynasty and in most dynasty formats and on most dynasty sites, you can play them in both positions. So the value is different than it is for most pitchers, right? So it's not to say that he's going to give you more value than career peak Scherzer, right? That's not what we were trying to say. We're saying it's Scherzer plus, I don't know, Josh Donaldson potentially, right? Like that's kind of what we were looking at as a value proposition. So even 90% of those scenarios is still the number one fantasy value pitcher period because he's giving you both aspects um there's just a a crazy amount of flexibility but the big thing here is that this will be potentially the breaking point for otani uh he's either going to be great or he's not going to be great and you have the opportunity to make that risk or take that risk but the reality is like what are you going to have to give up to get otani right now not a lot right like if if he's on a big yeah. Yeah. Like if he's on a big contract, like he's going to be very available. Right. And he should be very available. And that's why I look at it. Like if you're in a money league, you might be able to say to an owner, here's Tyler O'Neill and $10 million. <laughs> you and Tyler O'Neill. <laughs> Love Tyler O'Neill. So, so yeah, just, go ahead. just to prove your point, Ty. So in, in one real money auction league where, you know, you have five bucks is the, what the player's value is in the contract, you owe $5 for him. I have Otani, I think at 22 bucks. And in another league where it is uh, the MLB cap, 208 million this past year, I think it'll go, be up to 211. I have Otani at 22 million. So one of those I think is 20 million or $20 and the other is 22. But regardless, nearly 10% of my salary is tied up in Otani, which I was happy to do because I felt like if I was in a, a the opportunity to switch him in uh, daily lineups or in bi-weekly where you could switch, you know, Thursday or sorry, you could switch after Thursday for the weekend. You would know if he's, if he's pitching or not on the weekend. So where, where, if he's pitching for that time period, you don't put him in and he's your DH and you know, vice versa, you move him. If it's weekly lineups, I think you got a different scenario. You got to understand what's going on with them. The value is even lower, but if you're daily, there's, there's risk reward big time here. And I mean, the stat line aside, it's just been a, a rocky MLB career for him where right before he came in, everybody was saying, oh, he can't even hit like a high schooler. You know, he's going to be horrible. He's not going to do anything. And then he was just, you know, popping dingers. And all of a yeah. sudden everybody's like, oh, he's actually pretty good. And in the Yahoo league um, that we, the home league that we play in, uh, he's two guys. Well, that's totally screwy with the value with Otani, right? Because the hitter becomes the valuable guy when he's not pitching. But if, if he's doing both, he's a better pitcher than he is a hitter. 
So that's why the value should still be there for everybody. Yeah, and I think I'm going to make a bit of a bold prediction with Otani. I think you might see the Angels decide to make him a pitcher only this season because I think this is the last shot at him being a pitcher, and they might say, let's just focus on that, and then we can add hitting either later in the season or later next year or whatever. I I think that's going to be a move, and frankly, the Angels need a pitcher. Right. So they, they need to fo- focus him on the pitching side because their rotation is is bad. Like it's really bad. So I think you might see a little more dedication to the pitching side this year. Well, a, a now free agent and absolutely disappointing um, polarizing guy because the trade that sent him to Texas, everybody was upset that there was no value in the return. Uh, but Corey Kluber went and pitched himself one inning this year and at 34 years old looks to be in trouble. I've got him as a sell. Alex had him as a hold, which I think he said was more related to the fact you couldn't trade him if you wanted to. And um, Ty said, well, I'll take him." So you're buying Kluber uh, free agent. What, why are we going to take your advice on this one with Kluber? Cause well, it's tricky. I'm, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like why would somebody hold on to, to Corey Kluber right now? Um, they're, they're going to want to move him. And for that reason alone, like it was, it was a Terry's ma- uh, major injury, right? So like, it's not as if this, this isn't, is a, is an elbow injury or a shoulder injury. It's just a muscle tear, right? Like this is a very simple injury to recover from um, at this level with good doctors and good physiotherapists and all that stuff. Um If, if it was an elbow injury or bursitis or something like that, I would, I'd be concerned but you're still talking about a guy that possesses one of the best pitches in all of baseball. And anytime you've got a guy that's like that and the velocity hasn't fallen off a cliff yet, I'm good to go um, and, and see where that co- comes from. So yeah, that's this. I'm in on Kluber for that very, very reason. And, and that's, that's kind of a good spot to, to kind of put him is, is just go buy him because what's the worst that happens? Like if you're in a, if you're in a shallow league, that's, that's a difference or um yeah, like if you're in a 10-teamer, 12-teamer, it's one thing. If you're in a 30-teamer and you can acquire Kluber, you'd be silly not to. That's my position on it. And I agree with that, Ty. I, th- I think if you're desperate, you're looking for a guy who can really impact you, and Kluber might have a year left in him. But realistically, you can probably move on from him. If you don't have him, I, I would not be looking for him unless something terrible happened or he was offered in a trade and didn't cost you much. Yeah, I agree. And – and um I think he's a guy that has the veteran stuff. He's also a free agent, right? So yeah. I, I'm going to make a bold prediction. Um, and I think it's one of those things that uh, I think makes sense after I say it out loud is Kluber could be a guy that Toronto signs. He fits their their team model right now. They need a veteran to fill some innings. They need a guy on the front end and they need a short-term contract. And Kluber would be all of those things. And guess what? Shapiro and Atkins acquired him in Cleveland from San Diego. There's a relationship there. It's a very real thing that could happen. And, and there's an obvious match there. So I, I, I'm buying him because I think he's going to get some good time. Whether he can pitch 180 innings, that's a totally different animal. All right, everybody, you heard it here first. Start the hype train on Kluba coming north. So moving on now to one of my favorites, Spencer Howard, 116th ranked in Dynasty and I'm loving that 116 rank now Ty because he got in right when I ho- thought and hoped he would get in, which was supposed to be the midpoint of the 2020 season and he did not disappoint. Um things were not perfect and what I mean by disappoint was that he didn't come in and um just get blown apart every time. So Let's see, Spencer Howard line. This was again as of September 25th. They had six starts, 24 and two-thirds innings, a one and two record. ERA high, high fives. Whip was over one six, 23 Ks and 10 walks. So obviously has seen some command issue. Um, I don't see what Alex had put here. I must have accidentally eliminated it. Um, but I've got him as a buy. He's still gonna have rookie eligibility, so there will be a pretty price to pay for him. But looking at him versus some of the other guys who are going to be kind of locks to go into rotations, Philly's a strong team. The wins are going to be there. They should be there. Um, They're going to need to let him pitch because their bullpen 
just sucks. And no matter what they do this off season, it's going to start next season sucking. So if he's able to get those extra three outs, you know, go out for that, that whatever fifth inning, go out for that sixth inning, whatever MLB is determining to be stretching a starter, that little extra bit, let him get to six. He'll, he'll collect some quality starts for you too. Um, I liked what Spencer did in his rookie campaign. So I'm buying. And I think the price tag is going to be market value, you know, normal as opposed to some crazy spike because he didn't walk in and blow the doors off. So I think this is a good time to buy. Yeah. I mean, my, my concern is, is the fastball. I said it in the off season last year when you were hyping them, Uh, I'm going to stand by it. The spray is, is not ideal. Um, the velocities there, the curveball is, is one of his better pitches. He used it the least. And I, you know, I want to know kind of why, because if he's got a good velocity uh, that he can bury in the top of the zone, um, I, I think the curveball could be a really interesting pitch for him because it's, it's very good uh, versus the rest of the leagues in terms of vertical movement. So I, I really like the upside that could have the, the issue I see is that you've got a lot of tail um, and and drop off of the fastball. And so it's really tough to set up that good hook if you're throwing a more of a two-seam version of a four-seam. So <laughs> I think it's interesting they call it a four-seamer and that it breaks a lot more than a four-seamer. I think we might have something that's closer to a two-seamer here. Um, and so for that reason, I- I'm concerned with the pitch mix. I'm concerned with... Um, the curveball itself. I think individually the stuff's good enough. I really do. Uh, I'm concerned you're not gonna be able to set it up. It's kind of like Reynaldo Lopez, who we talked about before. Like there's some similarities here uh, between those two guys. Like could be great. Really could be, could also be very bad. And maybe this guy is the, is a better version of Reynaldo and, and let's hope so. You know, we always talk about wanting these kids to succeed. The comparables are Cueto and Clevenger um, based on, on the pitches. So there there's positives. I I just, I I look at some of the, the scenarios, he gets good weak contact, um, and, and pitcher, or he tends to be, uh, the, the batters tend to be under the baseball, which means balls could leave the yard again. And those are some of my concerns with them. Um, hopefully it turns around. Yeah. And, and here's somebody on the other side of the conversation for Howard, as far as not knowing what it's going to be. And it's Tyler Glass now, 27 year old um, S or sorry, our dynasty rank. We had him as an SP one 20th overall this year in 57 and a third innings, 22 walks, but 91 Ks. And I, I know Ty, we did a predictions before as to like what the most innings pitch was going to be highest Ks, whatever. I feel like, like I was like 70 something. We'll go back and check. But 91, amazing. And I don't even think that led MLB. Um, But anyway, ERA finished at 408. And it was at four and a half heading into his last week. Because I remember thinking, what in the heck is going on with him? Sometimes he's just like this dominant dude, just like Frankie Montas. Total hit and miss guys. And he finished the year with a 1.13 whip, which was the issue for him. As a pirate prospect, as a pirate MLBer, and just after the trade to Tampa Bay, everybody was like, whoa, glass now is amazing. And then he had a little dip in performance. It was all related to guys on base. So he he's cleaning himself up and I think he's headed in the right direction. Certainly at, you know, going to be um, into his age 28 season in Tampa Bay, you know, obviously a very strong team in the world series right now. We all had him as holds. There's no legitimate reason to not get him. It's outside the cost, you know, so I don't know yeah. if you've got anything else to say on glass now, hell of a pitcher is from a dynasty standpoint. If you've stuck with him from prospect days in Pittsburgh, good on you. Just keep yeah. the guy. Don't trade him for anything, you know, enjoy your victory. Well, I, and I agree. I mean, I, there was some hesitance, hesitancy from me, even at the end of the season, just, just been such a volatile guy over a couple of years oh, yeah. stretch. Right. I'm turning the corner on glass. Now I was already a buyer, Previous to it, I was a little hesitant at the end of this season, but after watching him in the playoffs, I feel like he's turned the corner and I feel like he's a legitimate ace at this point. And I think he's going to take over that role from Blake Snell in Tampa Bay next year. And I think that's, he's ready for it because he's dominant. 
He's as good as it gets. And he might even overshadow what Honeywell gets blown up uh, when he comes up next season. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I'm in on Glasnow. I think you should buy. I, I think even if it's hefty, I think it's similar to the way you viewed Garrett Cole coming into this season. I okay. think you're looking at the price. Yep. I think it's, I think he's that guy this off season. Uh, I, I just, there's enough of a consistency in the strikeout numbers in the last two seasons to, to buy. As long as you're in a points format or you're in a, a category um, where you can basically win strikeouts every week when he pitches. So I, I think you'd be silly not to go get him if he's available. And the final thought I've got or final comment I've got on glass now is from uh, where are we here? So the last five fantasy weeks. So this will include one two start week for him. This is just standard CBS point scoring. We, we like to spread it, spread the love until somebody sponsors us. Fantrax, CBS, Yahoo, ESPN. We are available. Um, we had a 14.8 point performance, a 31 point performance, and then a two start week of 41.7. Followed that up 17 and a half, 20 and 25. Tyler Glasnow is nothing if he is not consistently above average MLB pitching. And that is at his worst. He is worst start of the season. He was minus one point. That's one yeah. blow up. You can expect at least three of those, I think, from every pitcher, no matter the rank you would give them anywhere it's fair to say that a guy's going to blow up. It, it's going to happen. You just don't have your stuff. And to me, Tyler Glasnow is a great example of somebody who I think will consistently stay right around his initial mark in our dynasty ranks at 20. Yeah. And I completely agree. Uh, I, he could even move up for me. He might move up on my list. So I, I think he's a guy, like I said, I think legitimate ace at this point is, is the tag that we can throw on him. Well, I know that we are going to cut the episode off here because we want to talk about some guys who were aces, someone who people still think is an ace, and a whole bunch of other guys on the second half of the most disappointing dudes of 2020. The most disappointing dudes. I like that for an episode title. Thank uh, you. I like that. We're going to run <laughs> Maybe with that. Maybe that could be the one we're about to record. <laughs> absolutely. Cody Bellinger just went Yahtzee again. Uh, it's 2 nothing in the World Series game, uh, top of five. So uh, great spot to leave it off. And we'll see you on the very next episode of Dangerous. It's been Robin Tyler. We'll see you next time. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go.